Come on, church, let's stand together for worship.
say welcome to church here we go
You know, we sang a version of this last week, and we're going to sing it again. Can we stand here this morning and know that we are saved without a doubt, that it is well in our souls? If you can, I want you just to not worry about anything else but worship. The grand earth has quaked before Moved by the sound of his voice In the seas that are shaken and stirred Can be calmed and broken from my regard Well, it is well. 
Look at somebody and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning. And that's horrible. Look at somebody and let them know that you're glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning. We are so thankful that you're here. We're so thankful that uh, if you're a guest, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, everyone will notice on the back of your pew, there's a, a little two by three sticker uh, that is a QR code. Uh, 
we say it all the time, that's not a menu to your favorite restaurant so you can think about what you want for lunch. Uh, what that actually is, is it's a, a QR code that will take you to what we call the Gateway Church Lobby. And in that lobby, there's things there that if you're a guest, you can just simply click and say, I'm new and give us uh, just a couple of pieces of information just so that we can be sure and uh, know that you were here and thank you for being here. Uh, if you're a regular, you can check in to let us know that you're here. Uh, you can submit prayer requests. You can um, tell us about the good things God has done in your life. You can give uh, on that app, and um, it will allow you to do just about anything that you need to be able to do. It tells you all the events, everything that's going on. Uh, we want you to be connected, and uh, we want to thank you for your continual giving. Thank you for allowing us uh, to be part of uh, what God is doing in this community, and it's only through your giving and your faithfulness that allows us to do that. Uh, you can give online. There's uh, boxes at the back uh, if you would uh, rather prefer that method. But thank you for your faithfulness. I want to make you aware of something that's going on tonight. Uh, normally, um, unless you're in a life group on Sunday, we don't get to see each other twice in a day. Uh, but we have something a little bit different going on tonight. Um, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we have quite a few youth and teenagers and, and kids uh, in this church. And uh, they have been um, getting ready for what we're calling just a, just a youth service. And tonight, what we're going to be doing is, is the junior uh, kids, uh, they're doing uh, some dra dramas and some skits and, and uh, two or three, four things that, that they've been working on. They actually went and competed in a competition this weekend in Lexington. And uh, so they're going to do that. And then, then our, our teens are going to lead us in worship. And, uh, and then also, uh, Pastor Brandon will be ministering. Now, now that uh, we waited to do this until uh, the time changed. Uh, so now you can't use the excuse that it's too dark. Uh, it starts at 6.30, and uh, we would love for you. There's nothing better than seeing teenagers and young people use their talents that God has given them for God. And uh, I would ask that you come out and support them tonight. It'll just be a good time. We won't hold you real long uh, unless Pastor Brandon gets a, um, a button in his mouth. Uh, and um, Okay, that was a really bad... Ask me about that joke later, okay? Um, you may have heard it. How many people can believe that it is four weeks until Easter? Four weeks uh, from today, we'll be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, what that means is, is that for the next four weeks, you have a job. And that job is, is to find someone who normally doesn't go to church, someone that you have influence over, uh, someone that you have a relationship with, uh, and ask them to come with you. Uh, tell them that you will sit with them. Tell them what service you're coming to, whether it's the first service at 9.30, the second service at 11.15. Tell them where you meet them. Tell them you'll come pick them up. Whatever it takes, because it's a proven fact uh, that when some, many people will just come to church if, you just, if they're just simply ask. And uh, so for the next four weeks, I'm going to ask you to, to be praying and, and thinking about it and, and those people because Easter is a time that, that many people will come to church. Uh, even if they don't come to church any other time of the year, and you say, as a pastor, doesn't it bother you if people just come one time? No, not at all. Uh, just because it only takes one time for God to get a hold of their heart. And uh, so it, it is up to you. There's people in your life that you know. So begin asking now. Don't wait until Saturday night before Easter. Uh, start asking now. Start planting that seed now. And we're going to be talking about that for the next four weeks. Uh, we are in week four of a seven-part series. We're looking at what we can do, words that Jesus said. Often we look through the Bible and, and we see what we call red letter words. And those are words denoted in the Bible of things that Jesus said. 
But often when we're looking at and, and taking words to live by, uh, we stop the moment that Jesus went on the cross. But what we've learned over the past three weeks and, and today is that Jesus made seven statements while he was on the cross. And you can find those in the four different gospels. None of them are listed in, in one gospel. But when you begin to, to look at the gospels and put them together, he said seven things. And I believe that, that what Jesus said on the cross, those are seven things that we can put and that we can use as life lessons. That when we're having a bad day, what to do. A lot of us have bad days. A lot of us have bad weeks. Uh, sometimes our bad days last longer than we would ever want them or imagine that they could last. And in these seven statements that Jesus made while he was on the cross, Jesus was having a bad day. But those statements can teach us something. Even through Jesus' suffering, he was teaching us something. Uh, we all have bad days, and, and they come at different levels. Uh, on that day, that, that Friday, that, that we call Good Friday, it was good for us, but it wasn't really good for him. It was bad. Jesus was going through a bad day, but he gave us some things and words to live by. Our theme verse for this series is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, when it says, running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside of God. The five words in, in that verse of scripture that we've been looking at, study how he did it. In a difficult time, in the middle of a bad day, study how he did it. Hanging on the cross, beaten, abused, hurting, humiliated, suffering, study how he did it. The first week we learned that the first thing that, that Jesus said was he said, Father, forgive them. In that statement, I believe Jesus was trying to teach us that we have to be willing to forgive those who are trying to ruin our life. I believe it was the very first thing that Jesus said because he understood that he would never fulfill or complete the mission that God had given him to complete if he had bitterness and hatred in his heart for those people and what they were doing for him. There's going to be people in your life who are trying to ruin your life. They're trying to, to, to mess you up. They're trying to, to make it as hard for you as possible. But if you're ever going to complete the mission that God has given you, you can't have bitterness in your heart. The next thing that Jesus said, if you've seen a picture of the, resurrect, of the crucifixion, Jesus was in the middle. He had a man on his right and a man on his left. And during that time, there was one man that asked and realized that he needed help. And in that moment, even though Jesus was hurting, he took time to help someone else who was experiencing the same struggle, who was having the same bad day that he was having. He didn't just focus on himself. 
He didn't look at him and say, man, I ain't got time for you because I'm hurting myself. The man asked Jesus to remember him. And Jesus said, assuredly, I tell you that today you will be with me in paradise. In other words, Jesus was saying, I'm going through this same thing that you're going through, but I'm going to walk with you. I'm going through this same thing that you're going through, but I'm going to be there and we're going to go through this together. Jesus was saying, I'm here for you. The next statement that he made when he was on the cross, we talked about last week. Jesus hanging there and there was those few people that were around the foot of the cross that were friends and followers of Christ. It was a dangerous place to be. But in that moment when Jesus was hurting, he looked at Mary, his mom, and he looked at the disciple he loved, which was John. And what he basically said was, you guys take care of each other. I'm going to be gone, but, but, but I'm putting family together. And that brings us to the next statement that we're going to look at today. The next statement that Jesus would make as he's hanging there on the cross. He's hanging there in pain, bleeding. You would think that things could never get any worse than they were in that moment for Jesus. But then they did. About noon, the situation became worse. The darkness fell. So not only is he hanging on the cross, but it becomes dark in the middle of the day. The sun went away. Jesus was already suffering, and in the middle of this pain, it got worse. Maybe you've been in that situation. Maybe you've been going through something, and you think, God, it could never get any worse. God, the things are so unbearable, I know that, that it'll never be any worse than it is right now. And then they do. Jesus hung in the dark. Then he makes this statement that we all can relate to. You see, most of us were taught and are taught never to question God. I mean, growing up, I didn't think that, that you could express your true feeling to God. But in this moment that Jesus is in, he does just that. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, some words to live by. It says, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lemeshemachai, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here Jesus is the son of God. And in this moment, he questions God. Now, I'm sure you've been there. I know I have. We've been going through something and, and we begin to question God. And sometimes we feel guilty about it. But I believe in this moment that he is giving us permission to question him. This is probably the most human thing that Jesus ever said in the middle of his pain. And in this moment, he's identifying with us. In this moment, he's giving us a life principle. And the principle that, that I want to look at for the next few minutes is that we need to begin to aim our hard questions at God, not man. Aim your hard questions at God, not man. God can handle your questions. God can handle your doubts. God can handle your confusion. 
He can handle your pain. And when you're in that moment, when there doesn't seem and there isn't an answer, there's no person, no doctor, no pastor, no one that you can cry out to that knows the answer to your question. In that moment, we can put that on God just like Jesus did on the cross. I know that I've found myself in this situation more than once in my life. Many of you sitting here or listening today, you may have received that phone call. You may have gotten that text message. You may have had that moment that caused you to ask the question, why God? Why? Why did it have to happen? Why does it have to be this way? Something goes wrong in our life, and in that moment, we put the burden on ourselves. We try to, to, to carry this in the middle of the storm. In those moments of questioning, I'd like to tell you that, that those questions will go away quickly. I'd like to tell you that, that, that feeling forsaken will go away fast. When, it, when we feel like that God has forgotten us, when we feel like that life isn't fair, what can we do when God doesn't make sense? What do we do when, when we feel that there's no hope, when we feel that there's no way out? There are three things that we can do. Three things in the midst of this, this kind of situation that I believe that if you will do, it'll help you. The first thing we have to do is we have to trust his nature. I mean, often we have our own thoughts about who we think God is. Uh, maybe it's because of the way we were raised or, or, or what we've seen on TV. or, or we, 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 we have a heart toward God, but we don't truly know his nature. Uh, many of us were raised believing that, that God was just sitting up in heaven waiting for us to mess up. Waiting to, to strike us down. But that's the most unbiblical view of who God actually is. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. That's who He is. The Father of all mercies, He's merciful. The God of all comfort, He'll bring you comfort in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your wise. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. So a biblical view of God, and we could go on and on, but a biblical view of God is, is that God is a good God. He's a compassionate Father. He is love. And we have to trust that, and we have to trust His nature. Even when we're hurting, even when we're having the, all of the why questions, we have to trust in who He is. The second thing we have to trust, we have to trust His promises. His promises are all throughout the Word. They're all throughout the Bible. But I can tell you that when you're in the middle of that situation, sometimes it's really hard to trust His promises. Why? Because you're hurting. You're living in doubt. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. In other words, it says we find our promises in Him, and His promises are true. And when it says we utter our amen to Him, amen simply means so be it. We can look at God and say, God, because you have said it, it's true. God, because you have said it, let it be. God, because you've said it, I'm trusting and standing on these promises that you've given me, even while I'm hurting. God, I'm believing what you said in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, when you said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Even in those moments, because there's going to be times in those moments that, that sometimes it hurts so bad that you come to, to even question if God is really even real. Because you feel forsaken, you're broken, but in those moments you have to trust His promises. Jesus hanging on the cross in that moment was feeling forsaken. And He cries out to God in the darkness. And if Jesus, the Son of God, can do that, I can tell you that in those moments you can too. But Jesus knew that He could trust his father. He knew that he could stand on his promises. And you can too. Another promise of God is found in Romans chapter 8 when he says that, that, that this good God can take all things and he can work them together for our good. Yes, that means the worst thing that you're going through right now, the worst thing, that thing that the enemy has, has meant to destroy you, the God that we serve can take that and make something great out of it. We have to trust who He is. We have to trust His promises. And third, we have to trust His final destination. When we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, when you begin to look at everything that Paul went through, I can only imagine how many questions that he had? How many whys that went through his mind or out of his mouth? God, well, why, why am I being beaten with rods? God, all I'm trying to do is serve you. Why have I been thrown into prison multiple times? God, why, why am I a shipwreck? Why are all of these things happening to me? But what we learn with Paul is, is that Paul understood and he continued to trust, even in his wise. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, he says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For with this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Everything that Paul had been through, he's able to, 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 to say and describe them as light and momentary. Everything that he's been through, Paul is saying, I know that, that they're just temporary. 
I know that, that, that there's a, a, an end in sight. Paul's saying, I trust in the final destination. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, experiencing the worst thing that could happen on earth, he did that so that we can experience God's best in heaven. So if we can trust his nature, if we can trust his promises, if we can trust his final destination, his plan, even when we're doing that, it's still a process. Even when we're trusting, there are still some, some, some practical things that you and I can do. Psalm, or Isaiah chapter 63, verse 9 says, In all their sufferings he also suffered. And he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy he redeemed them. In other words, he will carry you through your pain. During the why. How many people would say you've ever had, had a why moment? Something's happened in your life and, and you've cried out to God, why? I told you last week and shared with you last week a, a, a personal story. And I allowed you to know that this week I was going to be sharing one too. Because I believe that, that the whys that we go through, the things that we face in life, they shape and become part of who we are. And many of you have, may have heard this story. Some of you may have not. Uh, but I've told God that, that as, as long as I have an a, a audience to tell it, that I'll never forget what he did in our lives. In 2008, Christy and I had been married for 14 years. Uh, we had not been able to conceive, to have children. For those of you who may have experienced this, or you may be experiencing it right now, you know how painful it is. Every month, that disappointment, it's a dark moment. It's a moment that you wonder if it will ever end. Then all of a sudden, we received a phone call, and we were presented with the opportunity to, to adopt. Now, to make a real long story a little bit shorter, we were made aware of, of a girl who, who had said she was pregnant with twins, a boy and a girl. That she wanted to, to adopt these out. And that she would adopt them out to Christy and I. She lived on the other side of the United States. And so in that moment, we're thinking, man, how could this be? God, you are doing a miracle. Because we had looked at foster care. We had looked at medical procedures. We had looked at the adoption process. We knew how long and how hard it could be. We knew that, that the likelihood of, of getting a, a newborn was, was very small. We knew how expensive that it could be. And so here, just in, in one moment, we were getting our prayers answered quickly. We were getting our prayers answered inexpensively. We were getting a, a boy and a girl at the same time. It was almost overwhelming. They were to be born in July. The first part of June, we received a phone call. They called my wife. She called me. And when she called, she, was, she could barely get anything out. I could barely uh, make 
what she was saying. But finally, she was able to, to say that, that, that they called and that, that this girl said that she went to the hospital and the babies were stillborn. And so in that moment, you can just imagine all of the why questions. You can imagine the pain, the anger, the hurt. God, why would you bring this and this possibility into our life and then just snatch it out from us like this? A few days later, we begin to hear more of the story. A few days later, we were made aware that the babies weren't stillborn at all. The babies weren't stillborn because they weren't even real. So now we begin to realize that, that we had flew across the country, met somebody that, that was living a lie. And that she had deceived not only us, but everybody around her for eight months. So then we begin to say, how could we be so stupid? How could we have not seen it? The devastation, the whys were coming from everywhere. We were in a season of life that made absolutely no sense. We were in the middle of a journey of pain, like many of you may be going through right now. And we were trying our best to trust God, but there were so many whys. And during this, this time of asking why, I believe that, that there was three things, three things that we realized. The first thing is, is that you have to be able to learn while asking why. You can ask the question why, but in that moment, you have to be willing to learn. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 says, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. Even the son of God, when he was having his why moment, it says he learned obedience. It said he was obedient even unto the cross. No matter the pain you're going through, God can do something in us. And in that moment of pain, we have to ask God, what are you trying to teach me? I mean, here we are. We're trying to figure all of this out. We're trying to listen to God. We begin to ask God, God, what are you trying to teach us? A few months later, I believe we received the answer to that. In the month of September, we received a phone call. It was from the same group of people, just a different girl. And they said, we know what you're going through. We know what was done to you. We want to present you with another opportunity, with another person in our church that wants to give their child up for adoption. And in that moment, I began to realize, I mean, to be honest, our first thought was absolutely not. I don't want any part to do with anything out there. But then in that moment, we begin to realize, God, you're trying to teach us to trust you. And so in a matter of a couple of days, 
Christy and I talked about it. We talked about it with our family, and, and we began to realize, hey, God, you're going to do a miracle. But there was always those thoughts in our mind, thinking, yeah, we thought he was doing a miracle before. And there was always those moments that, that caused us to think, can we really trust him? But we begin to tell God, God, we're going to trust you. Even though there were some nervous moments and there were some nervous times, and it was a, a, a long time from, from September until April. And we were still having those why questions, but we were learning to trust him more and more every day. And then on April the 8th, 2009, Reese was born at KDMC. The papers were signed three days later, and we were now parents of a beautiful baby girl. In that moment of learning to trust him, now we're to a point that we've received the, the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive, a child from someone else. In that moment, God did a miracle. But I can tell you that it didn't happen days after the pain. For us, it seemed like that lasts forever. You may be sitting here today and, and your pain may have been two, three, five years ago and you're still waiting. You have to keep trusting. Sometimes it's a, it's a lifelong journey of continually every day trusting God, even when you're asking the question, why? Not understanding, but, but trying to learn. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. He said, in that moment, we quit trusting ourselves. We started relying on God. The God who has the power to raise the dead is the same God that you can trust and that you can believe. In the toughest times, we have to learn to, to trust Him and to rely on Him. The second thing that you can do is love while asking why. Love while asking why. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says this, And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. You may be sitting here today and you're thinking, do good, I don't want to do good. Love, I don't want to love. I'm hurting. I'm lonely. I'm afraid. I'm questioning. I'm in the darkness. This passage of Scripture tells us that God says that if you will make a sacrifice and that you will continue to love, that you'll continue to do good, he says, I'll do something great in your life. If you choose to love while asking the question why, it'll bring healing in the midst of the pain. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says, He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. What that's telling us is, is that in that moment, when you are in the pain, when you're hurting, you can find someone and show them love and give them comfort that you'll be better than any pastor, any counselor, anyone that they could go to. And when you comfort someone who's going through the same thing or something that you've went through, 
Or when you comfort someone in the same time that, that you hurt yourself, it'll change your life. There's going to be times in your life that you are in situations that you do not have the answers. You are in the middle of the why moment. But in those moments, you have to continue to show love. In those moments, you have to continue to do good. Listen, it could be even someone has done something to you to cause this pain. Someone has done something to you that has caused you to be in your why season. They've done something that's changed your life forever. They've done something that made no sense as to why they did it or why it happened. God was trying to teach us that too. We had went away the week, the same week that this happened. And Christy's family just happened to be in Myrtle Beach. And that's where uh, my family, my sister lived. Christy's parents were there on vacation. Her sister, the whole family. God's good like that. My parents drove down, picked us up, drove us to Myrtle. We were all there together. And we, I'll never forget it, we were in Walmart. And Christy was on the phone. They had called. And it was the girl. And she was apologizing and threatening to, to commit suicide. I, I probably don't have to tell you my first thought. Because I wasn't to that point yet. But over the next few days, God began to speak to us and say, Hey, you've got to show love toward her. Even though she's done something to change her life forever, you've got to love her. I still wasn't to that point yet. My wife's a little bit more spiritual than I am. She picked up the phone and her friend that was there, she was a counselor, and she said, can you go check on her? Can you go tell her that, that, that we forgive her? My first thought was, speak for yourself. But God was teaching us that you have to learn to love. Being able to love during the why moments is so important. Being able to say, even though you've done something that has changed my life dramatically, I'm still going to do good to you and to other people. The third thing I believe that God was teaching us in the middle of our while, why was that we can worship while asking why. Worship while asking why. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean, worship? I can't sleep. I can't eat. All I do is cry. What do you mean, Pastor, worship? I don't even know what I think about God right now. But I stand here today telling you what I know from experience. If you want healing, you have to worship during the why. You have to worship in the deepest pain. Because when you do that, it brings perspective and it brings healing. When you can make that shift and begin to worship, 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29 says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Pastor, what does that mean? I believe it means that as we worship God, that that devouring fire fire will burn up our depression. It'll burn up our fear. It'll consume our anger and our pain. I believe that the creator of the universe can bring me healing in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my whys. If I'll only shift my focus from here to him. If I only give him my very best, even when I don't feel like it. There's going to be moments, and you may be in a moment right now, that, that you don't feel like worshiping. You may have received that phone call or, or that text message or, or had that moment. Giving you that, that overwhelming news. Your job's ending. Someone who you love is, is terminally ill. Someone that, that you care about is unexpectedly, suddenly passed away. And it takes your breath away. The why that you're in right now, it's so big. But when you begin to worship God, your perspective will change. The third lesson that I believe he was teaching us was just that. When we were that same week there just happened to be an outdoor concert and honestly I forgot about this until about a month ago uh, the concert was Mercy Me and, and Christy and I went to Cincinnati to, to see them again and, and she said do you remember the last time that we saw them I said no I can't remember what I did yesterday she said it was that week just goes to show you that when you're removed from the situation and God's brought you through something that it's easy sometimes to forget. So I went back to that moment. And when I began thinking about it, I remembered it vividly. I remember standing there at a concert that I really didn't want to be at, asking why. Tears running down my face. God, why would you bring so much pain? Not only to me, but especially to my wife. And I can remember standing there. And in that moment, I believe the Spirit spoke to me and said, Worship me anyway. And even though I didn't want to, in that moment, I lifted my hands and I said, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to worship you. God, I don't know why, but I'm going to praise you. Psalm chapter 22, David starts off that psalm by saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many scholars believe that Jesus was actually quoting David 
in the moment that he was on the cross. David is in the middle of his why. And for several verses, David continues asking God why. But then in verse 22, David changes his tune. And he says, I will proclaim your name among my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord. And for the next 10 verses, David vows to praise God even during the wise. You see, it's easy to worship God. It's easy to trust God during the good times. But what makes the difference is if you're willing to worship Him during the bad days. And what worshiping God does, what making Him the object of your affection does, it makes Him bigger and it makes all your problems smaller. It makes you realize that He's bigger than anything that you're facing. The more you worship Him, the more power that that pain loses over you. Listen, real worship is not about being a great singer. Real worship's not about running or not even about lifting your hands. What real worship actually is, is it's a condition of your heart. And that condition of your heart, it may cause you, when you're worshiping Him, it may cause you to lift your hands, to make you want to lift your hands. It may cause you to cry. But the sign of real worship is, is trusting God when life doesn't make sense. God, no matter what happens here, no matter what I go through, there's a song that says, I'm going to praise you in the storm. It's not easy. But he says, if you'll do it, I promise you I'll see you through it. When we were going through that storm, we had no idea what the end game was. But I believe because we were willing to do those three things, that God's plan was completed. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I've got a bunch of why questions right now. I'm going through something that seems unbearable. I'm going through something that seems like that it isn't fair. I'm going through something that hurt and pain. For many of you, that's through no fault of your own. And I believe that that God would tell you today, Trust Him. Worship Him. 
trust that he can take that thing and he can turn it around for good just like he did and I stand here as a representation of how God can take something that the enemy means to destroy us and to use it for his good and for his plan as you stand there I have no idea what you're going through as I said last week you may be going through something and you're the only one that knows just you and God I don't recommend it but you could be going through something that even your spouse doesn't know about God sees what you're going through God cares God loves you He says worship me give it to me know that no matter what you're going through that I'm worthy receive glory and honor and praise as I begin to pray just as always this altar is open if you need prayer if you need people to agree with you to walk with you all you have to do is walk down front and we'll pray but as I pray and then they're going to begin to sing I'm going to ask you whatever worship looks like to you For the next few minutes that you'll forget about the wise you forget about everything that you're going through and saying God I'm going through this but I'm going to worship you it's a condition of the heart purpose in your heart I'm going to worship him no matter what as I pray this altar is open Father I come before you God I know that there's people here that are in the midst of what seems like an unbearable situation. God, they've been through something that has changed their life forever and and, and they're still asking why. God, they're still, still experiencing the pain from that phone call or from that moment. God, I wish there were words that I could say that would just take the pain away. But God, I know there isn't. God, all I can do is stand and proclaim your word. God, I can tell what you've done in my life. And Father, I know that what you've done in my life that you'll do in someone else's life. God, help us to condition our heart and purpose in our heart to worship you in the middle of our whys. God, teach us and let us realize what you're trying and need us to learn. God, help us to love in the midst of these situations. Even the people who have caused it. God, allow us to worship no matter what. Father, do a work in our hearts. Do a work in our lives that only you can do. 
Father, we stand before you today knowing that you are bigger than any of our problems, any of our situations, anything that we are facing. God, you're not scared of our questions. But God, today we worship you. Can you sing this purpose in your heart that you're going to worship him? grace I'm done with the hiding reason to wait my heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend so I'll run to the father again and again I run to the father fall into grace I'm done with the hiding no reason to wait my heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, again and again and again. Help us in the midst of our wise to trust you. Proclaim it. Isn't he wonderful? No matter what you're going through, he's wonderful. Thank you, Father. Father, what a Savior. Father, we thank you and we worship you. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You're so wonderful. We want to thank you for being here today. 
thank you for allowing us to speak into your life. Once again, if you're a guest, uh, please uh, stop by in the the lobby. We have a a gift for you uh, just to thank you for being here. Uh, We love you. Don't forget tonight at 630. uh, We've got a men's meeting at 5. Then at 630, we're going to come together and and our youth are going to lead us into worship. Come and support them. Have a great, great week. Don't forget to start inviting people.